When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. No, man. I believe you get your ass kicked saying something like that, man. This morning with the sundown shining in him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, man? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Trip. On a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind on a jagged sky. Okay, you know you guys aren't privy to all the new, so uh, you know that's what you uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f*** are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown shining in Jax, I'm Tom Howell. Matt Byrne on the board with Greg Pappas in the, uh, um, in the studio. The hot seat. Uh, yeah, in the hot seat. We're going to talk about some interesting stuff today about how do you trade various things that the commercials are all over the place now. Um, so that's what that all is. Uh, S&P futures are down 10.50. Nasdaq futures down 22.50 after two, uh, two huge days up. So we'll see how that works. And now Paul says he's not in any hurry to cut rates. And I just, uh, not, I'm just mentioning to everybody that this whole panacea of let's cut rates and the market's going to go flying right up. Normally, uh, I would say that would be something you would want to look, pay attention to. However, this particular situation, it's so, it's unlike anything I've ever seen before in the sense that, as I just was showing to Greg on Friday, since the since the rates have gone up from a half a percent to five and a half, the market's actually up. So I don't know what you make of that, Greg, but it, it's certainly not a, not a slice of history that you've ever seen before. Up is down. Up is down. Yeah, and, and yeah. bad news is good news. And I, all the years I've traded, that's the most difficult time to trade is when bad news is good news, good is bad. And but now everybody's absolutely giddy about, you know, Meta last week was up 80 points. And, you know, it's one of my uh, people that I manage money for their group, uh, guy calls me and he says, I got this uh, new client coming in, and the guy's got some Meta stock. Now, Greg, you and I are traders. Now, you got a stock that's up 60 bucks Friday morning, which is, you know, 15%. On well, a, if it's up 60 bucks today, that means it could be up 60 bucks tomorrow. Well, so what do you think the guy does in the morning? Buys some more. Um, yeah, he bought some more. Yeah. Nice. The, uh, <laughs> Seems expensive, but, you know, as long as it's only going one way. Well, he was right, though. It was up 80 the other yeah. day. Yeah. Nailed it. So, anyway... Uh, the, um, you see, if you have more, it, more cash, or if your account value goes up, that means you could buy more stock, especially well, oh, yeah. margin. Oh, without a doubt. That's, I mean, that's, that's how you, you essentially, you, you can create money in the stock system. People want to, you can create buying power. If you buy Meta at 100 and it goes to 200, 
if you bought it on margin, and we there a lot of people do this. We do, we do not. I mean, I suppose if somebody wanted to, we would do it because it's certainly legal. Uh, but we don't well, lose business if you didn't do it. Well, yeah, we, we don't normally get the person. Uh, uh, the uh, the the full um, leverage. Yeah, well, I mean, you could conceivably let's let's look at something here. Never go full we leverage. We got IBM is one eighty five, and theoretically, if you want to buy a thousand shares, you call up my brother and you say, "Hey, we want to buy a thousand shares of uh, a, a, a PTI." All right, well, you you really don't have to send us a check for fifty percent of that because IBM is fully marginable stock, so. You have to send a check for what ninety two thousand five hundred. I mean, we don't really have that kind of business. You get that a lot of the uh, the fast click places. Um, you know, we have people on margin. Don't, don't, but I'm saying, if the stock went to two eighty five, just as Greg suggests, uh, that means you're you, you now have another hundred dollars worth of buying power. Right. So you can go out and buy more if you want. If you want. It's even more because we're going to discuss here. This is America, Chief. Well, absolutely. That's what we do here. That's what we do. We buy more. Unfortunately, so, sometimes when it goes down... <laughs> that's a problem. <laughs> that could be a problem if you don't have the cash to uh, cover the margin. The um, Yeah. So, but, but that's why... Because um, Greg is on the futures side, and I've we've done futures that... You know, I've done them on the floor for a while. Almost time. everything in futures is margin. Yeah. But yeah. but that's... They call it... They used to call it margin. Now, now it's what? A good faith deposit? Well... Normally, you're you're putting up, uh, just call it, I don't know, anywhere between eight and twenty percent of what what you want to be trading, and there's a different rate for during the day versus after. Uh, there's a different rate from during the day to at night. So if you're trading uh, overnight. That means you actually have a higher margin than you do during the day, and in terms of beans, our contract is five thousand bushels. So when we say it's twelve dollars or thirteen dollars a bushel, that you have to multiply it by uh, five thousand. So that's the total amount of uh, no- notional you're trading. So you're actually trading, you know, sixty thousand dollars worth. Of which, you know, more than likely you'll have to put up uh, eight to twelve thousand to trade that much. Okay. Now the, the difference is, and we're the reason why we're going through this is because I was watching all these gold commercials this weekend, and, I, and I've told people, the listeners, that I've had my people on gold for a while, and it's worked out some. It hasn't worked out. Uh, surely hasn't worked out as if you were with Nvidia <laughs> last year, uh, but it, it, you know, I. I, uh, we've, we've done okay with it. Uh, I think it might break out here a little bit because gold is up. Well, it's not today. And the gold miners have been been lagging. But maybe there's something in the industry that I don't see why they should be cheaper. But I, having said that, when, when you buy the IBM example, if you if you put up half the money to, to start it up, now if IBM goes down, okay, the your maintenance margin is 30%. So the stock could go down quite a ways before you get a margin call. That's what changed... Yeah, for the 29 crash, is there's initial margin and there's maintenance margin. This is on the security side, because we're going to talk about trading gold and oil in different places. Uh, Greg's saying is if, pick a number, if you buy a, a, a contract of soybeans, or well, you mentioned soybeans, right, Greg? Right. Or soybeans, say the margins, let's make it real simple. Say the margin's five grand. Mm-hmm. Okay, you put up the five, but now the, the next day, if you lose a thousand, 
you your margin's still five. Margin is still five. There's no, there's no slide here. Right. So you have to come up with another G. Okay, but now the, the flip side of that is, if the soybeans go up, it's 5,000 bushels. If, the, if they go up two cents um, or, or, or a 10 cents, say, guess what? That's 5,000 bucks, right? You just made yeah, it depends on. Well, now, now, now you've got ten thousand in your account. And you can buy another one. Bingo, bingo. So, the, so the margin is you. So now, if it goes down, you got to you got to match both of those. So that's why if you get a big rally on the future side, a lot of times people just pile on, right? Because right? you because all of a sudden your buying power. Now, if it really moves, the exchange might increase the margin, right? That's that's a possibility. Yeah, as as a rule, they're usually doing it by percentage move. So if it moves five percent, you know that's a lot different for a two dollar product than it is a twenty dollar yes. product. So the the margin, if it goes up, uh, normally they look to over the course of I don't know uh, a month or so or two months, they they say, hey, we're going to raise the margin. You know your your product is <laughs> has doubled or or something. Then they'll say, you know, the five percent. Ten percent is not the same as it used to be. We're going to raise it. And this can happen overnight, and, and you get this call, right? So that's why on the future side, if you're on if on, the, on the security side, if you're on bare minimum, you got twenty percent slide, and on just about every product. The future side, if you got bare minimum, you got a problem. Yeah, maybe you got you got a probably a product that moves faster, unless you're trading Nvidia and, and Tesla, and also you have a a maintenance that. A maintenance or margin clerk that will be on your butt pretty quickly if yeah. if you're not, and just like stocks, they just auto execute or auto take you out if you <laughs> if you can't do it. Hey guys, I think we just lost the stream. Audio difficulty. Yeah, we got audio difficulty on the stream here, but hmm. um, we're thinking. Did you, did you hear me, uh, Matt? We got it back. Okay, um, so w- w- the uh, we have the um, issue. Well, let's we'll talk about what we're going to talk about. We have. We, I saw some gold commercials this weekend, and this and this applies to oil as well. Um, there is a whole bunch of different ways if you if you want to be bullish gold or bearish or oil or bearish. Um, because they have ETFs, there's different ways to to tr- to trade, hold, or whatever. The commercial has some guy basically going out and buying gold coins. Okay, so you're talking about the physical, right, right, Greg? In uh, the no, cash market. The, well, yeah, your cash market. So you're buying. You know, it used to be Krugerrands. Are they still around? I don't see. I don't see Krugerrands. There's people that sell gold coins, but I don't think they're not 100% gold. I don't think, but there's some. There's enough gold in there. But basically, gold is is a uh, Twenty two thousand dollars an ounce. So if you're buying something that has an ounce of gold in it, it's you know two G plus whatever the you know whatever uh, the coin is. I don't think you're going to get it for exactly the futures price, are you? I mean, I nope. I would doubt it. Nope. So then if you turn around and try and sell it the next day, I'm not. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure what the spread there is. But but there's there's you know there's gold, and you can put it in a safety deposit box or whatever you want to do with it, right? Uh, so that, that's the that's the physical gold. Now, um, I guess you could get a gold bar and put it in the safety deposit box. Uh, but now, if you bring it, 
But now to put that gold back in the system, doesn't it all have to be melted down again and stuff? I think it does. When, when you have a futures delivery, there's a very specific process that goes goes with those deliveries. More realistically, though, it's just numbers changing uh, in the back end of the Fed server. So the gold is normally put somewhere in the bottom of New York's Fed, and they, they just move it around there. But if you've got your own, you know, depending on what your clearing firm says, um, you'd have to have some kind of certification that it's real. And that yeah, there's depositories you can, you can have against, this stuff. Yeah, you can borrow against it, and it's it's similar to the uh, margin margin rules that we talked about earlier. Like take take for instance uh, soybeans or corn. Corn's the simplest one because everybody knows what corn is, right? You I got think a gold free. bar is what it's like thirty pounds or twenty seven and a half pounds. Uh, it's not sure. It's there's a big difference. Yeah, that's, if you've got the bars, you know. But I guess what I'm saying is, is to do that, to use the future side, let's use the soybean example. If there's soybeans in storage, okay, they've been inspected, they've been everything, correct? If you, if you take delivery of soybeans and drive it around the block and then say, okay, I'm going to put it back in approved storage, they're going to inspect it again, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, without a doubt. Yeah. So well, my point is... content, protein content. Yeah. So, so okay... So, so if you decide you want to trade the futures gold, let's say that, you're talking about the gold contract, of which there's gold uh, options and so forth. Now, the, the delivery mechanism is, if you're long the contract and you hang on, I guess you, you could get delivered some gold someplace in a depository, correct? Right. Even though nobody wants you to do that. Right. I mean, nobody, nobody wants a futures extra, contract. Extra. Yeah, nobody wants a futures contract delivered. The whole idea of the futures contract, the, the delivery... I use the term threat is always well, there. Nobody. Well, nobody. A lot of people, uh, the end users are like 1% of trading or whatever. And right, but you know, I'm, I guess what I'm saying is you'd rather, the delivery points aren't necessarily near you. The depositories aren't in that. Let's, let's take soybeans, for example. The, the whole idea for the exchange is to have everybody move to the next month or liquidate. You don't want 90 bazillion bushels of soybeans getting delivered. Right. Right, the the majority of contracts are being traded as either uh, hedgers or speculators um, are putting on positions to hedge their physical or their... So you're either hedging what you have or what's coming or you're speculating on what what it's going to be in the future. Right, so, so we, we want to trade gold. Now, by the way, uh, shameless plug, um, PTI is a futures firm as well. If you come in through our interactive broker... Uh, hookup, which we you can use the inter- interactive broker system through a PTI, but you can also talk to somebody. You really can't talk to anybody at IB. Um, anyway, you can trade futures and securities here. If you if you sign up for an account, you can do it at the same time. Most of the time, you need a, a futures contract at a futures firm, and you need a uh, securities contract at a securities firm. A PTI is both of them, but if you can do both at PTI, <clears throat> we have to that's a two-step process, but the RIB group, it's a one-step process. So if you, wanted to, if you want to trade gold, you can obviously have this physical, which we talked about. You can trade the GC, which is what Greg trades, which is the... Uh, um, That's the futures contract. Yeah, Matt, we're down on the stream again. I don't know what's going on over there, but... Um, <clears throat> anyway, 
So that, that the GC is the now April futures contract, correct? Yes. Yeah. Now the 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 GLD is the uh, ETF. Okay, and that's trading one eighty seven. That's now this is a different than the this is a, a, allegedly a re- allegedly it's a it's a real ETF. In other words, these guys have gold allegedly in storage to to match up to every contract that's traded. Correct. So it's it's an ETF like the like the spiders. Where at State Street Bank, they supposedly, when I say supposedly, I believe they do, have all the stock that they need for all the people on the spiders, correct? Right, and what happens with those is they're, they're usually trading the futures um, to, to, match their, uh, to match their inventory. Right, but on a day-to-day so, basis, so they're, they're supposed to have, on a monthly basis, they're supposed to have the gold. Right. right. On a day-to-day yeah. basis, they, if somebody went and bought a whole bunch of... GLD, they'd probably go buy a few futures to cover it. Absolutely. Um, well, the same thing would happen in the S&P, I would guess. Actually, no. This S&P, well, that's another long story. Because the specialist actually puts together the basket and gives it to State Street Bank to create more spiders. So, okay, so now you've got the GLD on the futures, on the, on the security side, you've got the GC on the futures side, you've got options on both. And also you have indices of the gold miners, and you can trade individual gold miner stock. Cause the, the right, but those are not uh, those are not the underlying. Those are those are the, those are the, the companies that make the gold. Right. So like G G O L D is Barrick Gold. Then there's Newmont. Uh, there's uh, K G C. There's there, there's a whole bunch of them who are probably also active in the futures. And right. In the, I don't. I would doubt GLD, but they're definitely active in the futures, um, because they're in the business of pulling the gold out of the ground. So, if they if they need to hedge, they're going directly. Well, they're analyzing the rub. You don't know how much they hedge. And right, cash and uh, if the market's going up, you don't want them to hedge anything. If the market's going down, you want them to be completely hedged. Well, I uh, when we first started the trading floor, there was no. Uh, there was a gold future, I believe. There was no GLD. There was no ETF. There was no uh, GDX. There was no gold miners. Um, so people would trade individual stocks. And a lot of people were really into gold. I mean, you know, especially with all inflation in the early '80s and stuff. A lot of people were into it. But I think Greg, in those days, the, the companies would report how much they hedged. And and I don't know if they do now. I mean, if they do, it's not as easy to get. Or at least I don't see it flying across the tape like I used to. When I say that. Say, for instance, gold is 2000 bucks. You sit there and go, wow, I'm going to buy some of this Barrick Gold, which is a G-O-L-D, because if they make, it costs them 1800 bucks for uh, an ounce of gold and they're selling at 2000 so they're making this pro- profit. But wow, if, they, if, they, if it goes to 2500 these guys are going to make so much money they're not going to know what to do with it, and the stock's going to you know quadruple or something. Well, I mean, but, they, but they, they might have sold their futures at 2100 Right, and which means they're not they're not going to benefit from the, the the extra four hundred dollars on the way up. So, so if they if they hedge, it makes a difference to where the stack can go. Correct. Yeah, and a lot depends on kind of what they're what they believe they can get done during that quarter. Uh, you'll find out about how much they've hedged, but it, probably it will be too late. More importantly, the number to keep in mind is kind of the break even. So right. your break even meaning which is kind of hard to get these days too from these guys. Yeah. Yeah, that's that doesn't 
move as much. I mean, you can tell kind of with inflation and labor and, and, and maybe some capital costs, but that's more important in that you can, um, they, they use that too in order to really lock in costs. So if you're, if there's a huge discovery of something and you're going to be pulling it out of the ground within a, uh, a year or so, you know, you, you can use the futures in that specific month to, or those months to really, uh, get rid of some of that price risk. However, knowing your break-even costs, you know, that spread is what's important. So for for the gold miners, if you're looking to value the gold miners, that's that's a big part of it. Um, and if you're on the gold miner, uh, if you're in the company, you're looking at the gold price right. out, out a year or wherever you think you're going to be able to pull it out. And you're going to be probably selling futures out there to get rid of some of that price risk and lock in the profit between your your break-even cost and whatever the market's trading. Well, so uh, do we think we confuse everybody enough with all the different ways to trade this stuff? Uh, I mean, it's the same with beans. It's the same with oil. It's the same with. You well, know, I mean, if you're going to trade beans, you got to you got to do it in the futures side. There's no. I guess there is somewhat yeah, of a. Yeah, there's a couple. There's a grain ETF yeah, of there's, some kind. There's a. Uh, but it, there's it's a bean the ETF. There's a. It's it's the same concept for call it all three, or where you've got a uh, a price to pull it out of the ground or or take it take it to market, and you've got a market price out in the future. So you need to figure out um, if that company if if that spread is expanding. You know, great. Now figure out how much of that profit they're going to capture or if you just want to go with the underlying meaning the actual oil the actual gold or you want to trade the actual bean futures then you can do that too um, and you go out call it six months or four months and and you can see the price that they're trading that most likely your company is trading uh, in the future so in other words the, the further you get down the stream here in terms of individual companies, the trickier it gets. Right. And uh, so you, you've always been a proponent that if, if you're going to trade gold, if you're going to trade oil, do it in the future side. It's cleaner. I always, I always say do it in the futures if you can because that's what the ETFs are doing and they're going to be chasing you. So the ETFs obviously are dealing with much larger numbers and these being not as big markets. You know, it, it's very very tough for the ETFs to be accurate and you you'll see a you'll see a lag in that they're they're chasing the futures because people like us are in there first so if you can if you've got the cash you're much better served by trading the futures but at least on the metal side the gold and the silver ETFs have like you say the story is they have all the physical so they should match up pretty easily. Now the, the yeah the, on the oil side, I won't say the, that. I, I won't say that that happens. Eh, I mean, well, I mean that, that's that's the marketing. It's the legal, it's the legal uh, obligation that they have to. But in practice, if you can say, <laughs> you know, we our our fund got this much bigger today, and we didn't have this much more gold, and well, all of the traders knew that already, and <laughs> you better be. But ready. It, but it is it's different than like the USO, which is the ETF for oil, where every month there's a drain, right? Where where they're constantly using the futures. Every time they do the roll, they lose a little bit, right? 
and that's just part of it. I mean, they. So oil's even trickier. Right. Right. I would. I would say there's going to be a discount because it's just harder to move that much more in in these. Well, plus the trade, the, the, the market knows the trade you have to do every month. So oh they, yeah. So they nails you. Oh yeah. The rolls were, yeah. were notorious to the producers because when are they going to start? You know, who's going to, how many people are going to get in front of you? It's, so I guess the bottom line is it, it, it's tricky to do this stuff. If we could do it, you should do it through PTI because we can do both sides and, and explain it to you. Yeah, and if you don't have the full amount of cash for the, the big futures, it's not too hard to pick up a couple of calls or a couple of puts right. and get your your exposure similar to a future without without having to worry about the margin. Yeah, the rub there is if you don't have enough money for the underlying Getting an equivalent position in the option might not be what you want. But, but well, yeah, yeah. It's, if yeah. you want to be long oil and you don't want to sit on uh, futures that are going to move, right? You know, the, if you can't handle the the five thousand, ten thousand, you can't swing, handle the truth, right? If you if you don't want that, well, it's much easier to pick right. up a uh, thousand or fifteen hundred bucks worth of calls, yes. right? Or a call spread of some kind, right? And, yep. Right, and that's that's much easier to stomach, and then you're still you still have the futures exposure. Well, the uh, the thing you don't want in a client is if they decide, same thing with, like, if it's a stock, okay, say it's the spider, or somebody says, well, I don't want to put up all 493 bucks, I'll buy the, you know, the 490, uh, you know, 520 call spread. Right. If you got enough to do 100 shares of stock, you got to do one spread. If you start doing 10 spreads, then you then you It's a little it, different. It's a little different. Yeah, yeah it gets a, What do you mean? I got enough money left. No, 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 no. We, we, we're there. Not That's, exactly. Yeah, not exactly. As if you're just down 850, if you're down 15. Hey, guess what? Nvidia's up another 22 bucks. Another 3.5%. So I'm going to say 3.5% a day. The end of the year, the stock's what? Five grand? See, if you don't have the cash to trade Nvidia, it's a lot easier to stomach a $1,000 loss. <laughs> in an option, yeah, than it is. Yeah, try and <laughs> find an option there for a thousand bucks, but a, that's another story. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com/jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. 
Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold. The idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello, Norfolk Stocks and Jackson. I'm Tom. I'm on the board. SP futures down 675. Nasdaq futures down 10. I'm going to say we're going to be up here because we've got the stocks that just can't seem to stop. We're now down to the the magnificent four, though, right, Greg? We, we, we booted three. <laughs> Google's not in there anymore. We don't want Tesla in there anymore. Uh, Tesla's going down. Yeah, they're going down. Sad. We're going to kick them out of the Dow Futures down 30 uh, over in Europe. We've got now these guys didn't catch the whole run up on Friday, so catching up a little bit today, but not that much. Dex up 40.2 percent. FTSE up 43.6 percent. Kick around up 11.1 percent. So uh, higher, um, uh, but not dramatically. Over in Asia, these guys have been the, the spot. It's kind of been crazy. Nikkei up 196.5 percent. Hang Seng down not very much, but down again 23. 15,510. Shanghai down 28. That's another 1%. 2702. I thought these guys were going to go three thousand below 3,000, Greg, another 2,700 and sinking. Uh, it says here China stocks rebound off five year lows as stimulus comes into effect. Uh, it's kind of an interesting rebound. They're down. Uh, bonds up six basis points, 409. So these guys, Friday was another one of those odd days. Talk about, you know, market being different, Greg. Bonds were down, getting hammered all day. Rates are flying up, and the stocks are flying up. Interesting that, if rebound yeah. means going down. Yeah. The Bund up six basis points, 2.29. Japan up six basis points, 0.73. Uh, again, this interest rate's going up, the market going up. Not usually, but it's been happening. Oil down 45 cents, 71.83. Rent down 30 cents, 77.03. Natural gas unchanged, 2.08. Our Bob unchanged, 2.15. We've got gold. On 12 bucks, 2041, it's been rallying, but it's a one-week low. Um, it's come back up from the 2000 level to the middle 2000s. Silver down 25 cents, 22.54. Uh, copper, again, silver continues to fly up and down 1% within this narrow range, Greg. It's crazy. Big moves within a narrow range. 
Copper now one cent, three eighty. We've got Bitcoin um, is uh, up four hundred five, forty three thousand one hundred nine. And there's a wave review on Friday. That was up one thirty four. S and P up fifty two, but Nasdaq was up two sixty seven. It's almost it's almost two percent. As Meta was up eighty bucks. I got it. I've got it pushing ten times revenue now, which for a, a mature company is. It's seriously off the chart. Maybe uh, they'll get some more AI and oh AI with AI, the AI. Uh, what's it called? AI. That, what's AI. that new Apple product? Oh, the the, the new sun the headset. Yeah, the yeah headset. I've seen that. Yeah. Maybe we're gonna go to the metaverse on the Apple headset. <laughs> By the way, we have to start tomorrow on Stocks and Jacks because we already screwed it up today. Every fifth sentence, you gotta say AI. <laughs> just like we, just like a year ago it was cloud, and five years ago it was China. AI, AI. PTI, I, I like, AI, PTI, I like AI. that thing. Uh, that thing. Have you seen the videos of the people? We can post some of those in the notes because some of the people walking around in that headset and <laughs> doing the hand gestures. There was one guy crossing the street in one. These videos are good stuff. Oh God! I bet they look pretty cool. Do we have Mr. Flanagan? Where we just popped uh, positive in the Nasdaq. That didn't take long. So we wanted to buy the dip. You had about an hour this morning. Uh, we do have John. Yeah. John, how are you? Um, we're gonna turn your zoom up, but you, then you'll be good. Um, are you good now? I, can you hear me? Yeah, you, we, now we got you fine. Everything's cool. Um, what uh, you were gonna do some? Uh, we don't have to talk about it, but you were gonna do some work on the buildings that are being a couple of buildings in Chicago went for. What the, the mortgages were like two fifty, and then the buildings went for one something. Or something. Yeah, the rental buildings are now. Um, you know, part of this, you know, sort of, you know, paying the piper moment. It's that building at 1411 South Michigan that was, it's not that old. Um, and it's gone into foreclosure. And of course, when rental buildings go into foreclosure, um, the tenants are in a pretty tough spot, whether they're commercial or uh, residential, because pretty much, you know, repairs, you know, services, maintenance, whatever, goes into a kind of limbo. Um, if you get a receiver appointed, if it goes into foreclosure, um, it's not like they're that's getting prompt attention all the time because they're probably managing other buildings in distress. So the quality of your life really goes down if you're a tenant in these places. And um, you know, people are already kind of faced with, with not very good choices when it comes to choosing properties released these days um, but they may have to make some decisions if they're in a building that isn't being maintained anymore. Of course if that's happening in big numbers as seems likely because these big residential buildings are not immune from these mortgage issues any more than the big you know office buildings are, are it's going to be you know a tough time for tenants general. Jen why are uh, if you look out our windows down here we well, got to look out and look around the corner of the window you see two or three of these Places are are being built right now. What the other ones aren't full, are they? Well, I, I, don't, I don't get why. Well, why are we getting the new uh, construct? You know, I let me let me give a quick summary here about the, the Chicago way, uh, which is what. Where's mine? Um, people ask, okay, why? Sort of the same subject. Why is uh, why are the Sox thinking about? trying to push for a new stadium here in the South Loop, and why would anybody even consider doing it, since they got a very nice stadium, and by the way, their rent's a million and a half a year or something, and we pay for it downtown, every time you get a drink or a lunch or a dinner. 
I mean, it's the most bizarre thing anybody, and they still owe $50 million. I don't even know people downtown are paying the interest nut. Uh, anyway, um, but that having said that, why would anybody want to put up a new stadium and say, well, this is going to be a loser, too, for the taxpayers? Well, it's not going to be a loser for everybody. And this is the, you know, Greg's over there shaking his head at me. This, <laughs> this, is, the, this is the Chicago way. I mean, if, if you end up with the, the hot dog stand in the new place, you're a winner. If you end up with the, if you end up with the security contract at the new place, or the or the parking contract, or you do the ticket stuff, or whatever the hell you do, that's like an annuity. Yeah, if you if you if you were the guy who cleans the bathrooms, you're you're going to be fine. Okay, so it's it's a it's a pretty screwed up deal for for most people. Um, just the uh, you know so one example was uh, my buddy John and Jerry and his dad who. Unfortunately, passed a great guy, a massive uh, transplant surgeon, was on the cover at time. And anyway, I think he was one of the original investors in Presidential Towers. Which, I mean, that thing's been up for what, fifty years now or so? They built this. Going on fifty years, yeah. Yeah, they built this. Is it four massive buildings over kind of in the West Loop? And it kind of was there early, right, before anybody really wanted to be over there. But the places are so big. How many? How many places? If they had a a ten percent turnover rate, which is cheap, what do they have to do? Like. 20 units a day to get a rent or some incredible number. I mean, yeah. it, I mean, it's just, it's just so big. So, and, and it, I think he lost all his money because it's been it's been foreclosed probably a couple of times, at, well, at least once I know because he was out. And uh, so one of our other buddies goes, "What makes you think it's a loser? <laughs> the guys that put it up, they might they might have the cable contract in the building and made money forever for 45 years and never had to work again, you know? Or you, or you could have the security contract, or you could have the doorman, or something like that." So don't don't think that there isn't money in this stuff just because quote we the taxpayer lose right Jen, right, and you know the thing about the the Sox Stadium, there's a drive to get the 78 district. You know, there's, there's 77 community districts in Chicago, and then you have this gigantic piece of land just south of the Loop that's never been developed. So they call that the 78, and that's the site you know around Roosevelt Road and Clark Street where they talked about the, the Sox to go in. And this is the, the piece of land they were pushing for the Amazon warehouse a couple of years ago. And Amazon, you know, walked away from the table. They weren't interested in Chicago at the time. It's all about de- developing some new project. And, of course, this is this sort of gives the illusion that the city is growing, I guess. But it also means there'll be lots of infrastructure and land that has never had anything on it is now going to be torn up and there'll be stuff going in. So, as you say, some people will make a lot of money. But what's going to happen to guaranteed rate field? What, what, what do they plan for that? Are they going to bulldoze that, build something else? I don't know. Nobody's saying. But well, nobody's saying, but they're saying. <laughs> <laughs> we're not saying. We're just saying. Uh, we're just I, saying. <laughs> I, uh, quick history lesson for those. I'm surprised you probably do know this, Jen. What is, what is so unique about that property that everybody thinks about they're going to do something there and they never do? Well, it's where they straightened the river. Yeah. And the river used to bulge in, you know, towards the east, towards the lake. And it, it restricted where the, you know, the train tracks came in for LaSalle Street Station, Dearborn Street Station. Everything was kind of knotted together there. Well, they, they, they flattened the, well, through to the south branch of the Chicago River. So it's pretty much straight south and, you know, got rid of the thing where it bulged eastward. So that land has all been, you know, available for development since the, since the 1920s, but nothing's happened there. So it seems like this is finally an attempt. It's one of the last 
pieces of real estate close to downtown that's never really had anything going on. So the, uh, there's a lot. You know. The issue there is, or one of them, is that is Jan is one of the oddest things I've ever heard about the city because this is, in terms of logistics, it's right there. And uh, there was a big bulge in the river, so they dug up straight channel, uh, dammed the other one up, and, and basically hit through the new one, and now you've got this nice straight channel. And, they, and the other one they just filled in. Right. And the idea was LaSalle Street and Wall Street, they were going to extend, and you have a nice neighborhood there, or whatever you want to do. Never did. So now you've got this, however many acre property is, it's got to be pushing a square mile in it, and down, basically downtown. Oh, close, yeah. Oh. But now, when you go to develop it, virtually every time, I mean, if, if you're just some schlump who wants to build a house, or an apartment building, or even a building downtown, you look at the piece of property and you say, okay, i gotta, I got to tap into the sewer, i got to tap into the water, i got to tap into the gas, i got to tap into the electric. Uh, guess what? There isn't any. There isn't any. There isn't any. It's, it's totally undeveloped. It's like a massive farm field in the middle of the city. There's never been a street, there's never been a gas line, there's never been a sewer line, there's never been a water line. So your, your, your cost of, of bringing the thing up, I don't know where you got to go with the water, especially from a stadium. Where are you going to bring it from? Uh, the Eisenhower or Harrison? I mean, I mean we're, we're talking about a long way. And that's a, that's, that, that in itself is a massive project to bring all the utilities, you know, water, sewer, the whole bit to the place. Correct? I mean, so nobody wants... Yeah. And, and they've been looking for some kind of, you know, visible project that would start this ball rolling for some time. And I, I really don't think it has anything to do with a bigger plan, you know, to bring back downtown or, you know, help neighborhoods or anything else. It's all about just throwing contracts at places that need some kind of, you know, annuity so that they got to be on the hook for the next five years the city. And this, this thing's going to be transformed. And in the end... Are they going to walk away from this stadium the way they walked away from guaranteed? You know, they're about to walk away from guaranteed great field and, and, and Soldier Field. Just let's just line them up, right? Yeah, it's, 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 and I don't. It, it to me, it shows that there there isn't any long term you know planning or strategy here other than to get rich quick. Yeah, well, it's and and not the city to get rich quick, but you know, it's contract. It's, it's the people who build the infrastructure, those co- corporations, the construction companies, the, the engineers, all those people are going to be, you know, sitting in a tub of butter for a couple of years while the, the taxpayers on the hook. It's a bad deal all the way around. Well, what basically. do you I mean? What a Soldier Field, you know, criticizes it is, cost what six? You know, uh, uh, Matt, take look at look this up. Will you, if you got a second over, there. I know you're working on the stream, but I think it was six and a quarter, six fifty, something along those lines. To build it, uh, yeah, back in you know post World War One. No, no, I'm talking about the, the the new version here. Oh, the the the, the Dirk Lowen, and they they could have had a, a dome stadium time for what they spent on it. Well, if you, if you go by I, 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 stupid stuff I do, I went down to Florida and picked up a pick me up. We drive drove it back, and I, I drove, drove through Nashville. Greg, I tell you what, I was I just drove by it, but that Nashville stadium uh, is gorgeous. And and I'll tell you what, it was what it was built about the exact same time, and it was like three and a quarter, it was like half. Soldier Field, and plus Soldier Field didn't have any didn't have any land acquisition, right? Right. So don't think that the people who put up Soldier Field and are now managing it haven't made a fortune on the deal, even though the city's down on the bears' rent and and, and uh, interest, right? 
I mean, don't think for a second yeah, they, they're not winners there. They said they cut the seating. They drove up the, the ticket prices so that the average Chicagoan can't get near the place. Well, but, so, but but I'm saying is is if you any of any if you have the beer beer stand there, you're doing fine. My sure, guess is sure. if they just use those for for big concerts on those days that the the Bears were there, it's possible that they could cover that however much they're going to lose in Bears rent in just those in just those concerts. If they put big ones, an additional, I mean the I Bears. How many you can have? The but. Bears weren't paying that much were they well but you're but you're competing you, you you're competing against wrigley you're competing against Sox park i mean uh there, there's a lot of concert uh event places right united center you know? yeah well and you, there's as a long lot as there's of a steady stream of mega acts with musicians you know that that sounds like it's an okay deal but you know a taylor swift doesn't come along every day so well i mean you could give her her own residency Right. Ten shows, and, and give her the naming rights. Yeah, you could give me have the Taylor Swift special venue over there. In, it could be her recording. More than well, but you're you're doing a bear game someday when it's twenty degrees. You're not going to do a concert. That's true. But you're talking about a single, somewhat of a single purpose stadium. Now, I mean, all you got to make up is that that, or I guess they get the taxes on all the concessions and all sure that stuff. Do. So, yeah, I mean, it's a fairly large stadium I, and you get I the, don't think you know these these the Bears weren't paying that What much. makes you think that the actually I'd love to find this out. What makes you think that the two the two latest stadiums built, the ones in uh the one in uh New Jersey for the Giants and the Jets and the one in uh Arizona. Now I guess the third one would be Las Vegas. But out of out of the three built, two of them have two teams there and not one. So you got double the time. Are are they making money? The Vegas one, I don't know, is that making any dough with that, with that team there? By the way, they, they they just hired the the Bears offensive coordinator. We couldn't wait to run out of town. Clingsbury? No, uh, with the Bears just o- OC, they just fired. Getsy? Yeah, they just hired him as their offensive, offensive coordinator. Well, good luck to them. Well, I mean, <laughs> uh, what, makes you think <laughs> it was, what makes you think it's always the coaching and not the players? Well, this year it was definitely the, the coaching. Oh, God. Oh, God. Another one of those guys. <laughs> I'm not another one. I think they're all incompetent, but... But I mean, there there's some glaring errors. If we just would have called the right plays, we don't have anybody to block. That's okay. If we just would have called the right plays, we'd be good. Well, anyways, I think they should yeah. get like five or six big artists and give them give them the stadium for however well, however much they want to. Okay, but how, do. what do you what do you think the the uh, how many times are people going to go? What does it cost to put one of those things on? What if it you rains? could do a, a you could do a huge. Lollapalooza, you know, bonus something over there. Now you're competing with Lollapalooza. No, you could make that part of the package and charge them more. You don't think people would? I mean, that I, would be blast. I'm, I'm just saying the whole idea I that do it. That, that, <laughs> but I, I know my my nephew and I had this uh, discussion. One of his buddies is in the whatever business, you know, the music business, and how. Uh, no matter what they spend out in Arlington Park, they're going to make it up with concerts. I go, how many? What? Somebody needs to resurrect Burnham or something and f- ask him this question. Uh, I'm going to say right off the top that the origin, this current Sachs Park should have been built in the South Loop, where we're talking about building the other one, and we should have had uh, a system of people movers, streetcars or whatever, so people downtown. Yeah, but that's not. You know, constructive to think about now. What do you okay, do with I'm what saying, we got now? Well, okay. Now is it is it is it worth it to change it? Is the question? 
because in those days downtown was amazingly vibrant the south loop exchanges if you look at the the old bears or the bears the old bulls what was the, the michael jordan years the special that just came out i think burnham would argue that all right the l- people would me. i'm saying you have to have people that that are are going to go there all right now the, the bulls games if you looked at the first row where the commissioner was sitting the first row in front of them were all guys i knew from the cboe floor you had thousands of people in the south loop in those days that are, were all south siders a lot of them now you could you have just had a situation where you started the games there at 5.30 or 6 o'clock and had people go down there in a people mover, would that have been a, a terrific idea to incorporate into your downtown, sort of like Phoenix has? Yes. Okay, they didn't do that. Well, now the downtown is dead in a south loop. So now to resurrect the same idea without any of the people mover stuff, where Sox Park is now, they finally put a Rock Island station there. On the other side, just, what, 100 yards from the park, is an over is an overhead train trestle where the southwest train goes and oh by the way you could run the burlington from there if you wanted to is there there's never been any genius that said hey by the way why don't we have trains up there after the game and people can just go home from there and not have to go back downtown and catch their train nobody thinks at all i mean one of these days greg you and i that's not surprising no but but one of these days maybe maybe the, the, the the gang of us the boat of us we just we need to go to a game at either Yankee Stadium or Madison Square Garden. Not because you know it's Madison Square Garden, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful place. Just sit there and wait for 15 minutes after the game. Everybody's gone. You sit on top of John. What do you sit on? Five subway lines and how many train lines? Everyone yeah. walks downstairs and they're gone. We're the only city in the world that that, that loves parking by places. I mean, we, we have a we have a. We have a stadium over here, the United Center. The, the rapid transit goes down, goes in the parking lot, and there's no station there because we want to make sure they get the, the Wurtzes get their parking. I mean, no other city is as stupid, is it, Jen? I mean, wh- no. Yeah. And you know, we got so many. The, the the drive to rebuild the neighborhoods has always been dependent on well we got say an entertainment center like the new regal theater on 79th street the old avalon theater which is my neighborhood theater or the uptown theater you know the uh, the auditorium theater downtown huge you know places perfectly set up for you know a great concert or a great you know you know run of, of plays night after night after night they can't make these things pay anymore no so they they they're, they're struggling to keep them from being demolished it's going to cost well, 40 million dollars to bring back the uptown theater from a you know, decayed state and and even if they could do that what would they use it for well the auditorium I've, i used to go to concerts there it's spectacular i mean how many how many how many nights is chicago theater full when I mean, these places are just they're just not full right and it's because people uh, people are going to go to see anything they're going to go to you know soldier field to see somebody or other or you know the united center or all state arena or someplace else that's set up to do two or three night stands with somebody and they make more in those three nights than they could make in a month probably at the uptown theater and i i just don't see that there's any kind of thinking that well if you want to bring back the neighborhoods and make them vibrant artistic communities you've got you got to do something other than just save buildings from being demolished that isn't going to work anymore and and building a, a stadium downtown in Roosevelt Road is not going to bring back the loop at this point. Those those problems are too big for a stadium to solve. I'm sorry. They missed their chance on that. Greg, you sound like, like you've been a, a concert goer. Which, which is a, a nicer venue to go see, see somebody, Wrigley or Soldier Field? 
Um, I don't now, think I've ever been to a concert at either one, though. Now, <laughs> I would prefer Wrigley. Okay, because it's but, smaller, more intimate, or what? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. not smaller, but the layout's a little... They can make it so you. it's kind of like a a mini stadium. Okay. But it's... They put the, the stage, like, out in center field, right? Or... It, depending depending on, yeah, where, I, I don't know, it's it's cooler to see because you've got, like, the rooftops and stuff, and, and you can look down. The sight lines are pretty good. Um, but Soldier Field for a big show, uh, they're both really, <laughs> really fun. Yeah. They're good? You don't yeah. have to drive to Wrigley Field. And it's, it's difficult to get to. Soldier Field if you don't drive. And even if you do drive, it's not too easy. Well, my cousin had tickets forever, and I would go every game. Every year I'd go to a game, usually the worst weather game. I, I, I hated to get the phone call. You can't get there. You can't get home. But Wrigley, I, you know, I can walk home, basically. Right. Um, so, but, it, I mean, I, I somehow or another, the, 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 the use of rapid transit to these places is just not what it... Now, Sox Park has the red line right there, and the green line's a few blocks away. So, it should be uh, you know, uh, commuter friendly, but it sort of isn't. Not a whole lot of people want to take the red line after the game. Although probably the only time say it is safe to take the red line. Um, anyway, SP futures uh, down five seventy five. Nasdaq futures up two twenty five because the big mover is Nvidia up another twenty two bucks. Uh, Meta, which was up uh, eighty dollars on Friday, is down a whole dollar sixteen. So that's not exactly a, a retreat, is it? <laughs> is, is it, Greg? We'll be right back. Stocks and jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, Give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, 
or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. You know I love you, baby. I wouldn't leave you. It wasn't my fault. Honest. Uh, I ran out of gas. I had a flat tire. I, I didn't have enough money for cab fare. My truck didn't come back from the cleaners. An old friend came in from out of town. Someone stole my car. There was an earthquake. A terrible flood. Locust. It wasn't my fault. I swear to God. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tim Howe. We got Matt Byrne on the board. Uh, SP Futures down seven. NASDAQ Futures down two. Um, you want to make you feel make you feel old, Jen? Uh, John Belushi was 75 a couple weeks ago. Who would have been? And uh, Del Shannon. What was the uh, what was that what, was, what TV show was that the theme song for, Mr. Byrne? That you put it on there. We don't have. I don't hear. Right back. And what this uh, this song was a theme song for what Chicago show? Oh man, I wish I knew. C- uh, crime story. Say it again. Dennis, the crime story with Dennis Farina. Oh, crime story, yeah. The uh, he uh, the um, was I, I really liked that show because it was uh, I actually have the full season. If you guys uh, um. We, we could do a, a guy's thing on a Saturday or something because, I mean, everybody knows how it ends, right? But the, the uh, I'm going to say that the pictures of old Chicago and that show during that, during that time, John, are spectacular because it was all filmed here. So you go by corners and you go, wait, what street was that? That was on that corner. It's, it's pretty bizarre. The area over by, uh, a lot of it was shot over in that area that is now, you know, all the real hot places, the West Loop, where it was just tracks and warehouses and... That kind of stuff. Anyway, uh, Jan, um, well, we, we've got we've got you here. Uh, um, I think we get we get rid of that song <laughs> at this point. Um, the uh, um, what what when these companies go under? All right. So when we refinance a place, be it uh, residential or whatever. All right. So a residential place, this, they come in out of. The, is it just not full enough? I mean, it's only seventy percent full. They can't make the payments. Is a uh, the taxes gone up? And what? Why would someplace? Was it on a thread to begin with? Was there a problem between the construction loan and the the the, the, the loan that came after that? I mean, it can't be an interest rate issue because they must have got pretty good rates. That place, all right. It, the, the the loan's one thirty, and somebody buys it for pick a number, a hundred. How is it that this is, seems to be happening? There was what was the place down uh, downtown last week. There was another. There was a downtown place and a in a uh, residential place. These forty, fifty, sixty, eighty million dollar gaps between what people are buying them for and what the mortgage was. Who, who are these people basically getting eighty million dollars stuck where the sun don't shine? I mean, it, they're not they're not your normal sixty years ago where that mortgage would have been Continental Bank and that one would have been first first you know first national. Who are these consortium of people? Are they are, 
I gotta believe there's gotta be pension funds involved in these pension places. Pension funds, insurance companies, tap foreign governments, uh, foreign pension funds. Uh, it, it's all you know. It's conglomerates that have you know invested money, thinking that this was a safe investment. And real estate, traditionally, you know, with with major ups and downs, has always been considered something that you get some product at the end of it. And you, you hope that it's not going to just completely crash in value. So it provides some kind of stability, at least while you've got a mortgage in place for an investor to get their return. Um, and this has always kind of been the way things function. But what what's happened, and nobody ever factored this in, was that you know having a, a, a piece of property in a downtown city center neighborhood where the streets aren't police and where people are afraid to go this is an investment that's losing value day by day and nobody ever thought that anybody would let that happen but it could happen or that it would happen in so many places all at once as it's happening globally uh, and now we've got you know investors who are going to be stuck holding the bag and you'll see a lot of people whose you know pensions are going to be endangered or wiped out and you'll have you know a whole host of investors that are kind of lurking behind the scenes. They're not not a bank, you know, a bank like you and I would think would be a lender on something. Uh, it would be a consortium of banks with you know a percentage of the debt allocated to you know a particular. Well, well and, who, and, that, and that kind of group, who, who makes the call? Yeah, we'll take fifty less, and we'll just eat it. Well, it's it's you know heavy negotiations, and this is why you know it, it's hard to get a consensus when you get people who are going to. Some people are going to take a bigger haircut than somebody else, and to ram that down the other investors' throats, so that you know people with the upper hand get the better deal. This is what happens when you've got unequal investment and you've got an unequal bargaining power when it comes to a distressed sale. And this is kind of what's happened with, with Evergrande, and will continue to happen as these countries have a, companies have a reckoning that you know that the people who have the biggest share at stake are going to be the ones who walk away with the bigger share. Well, we're, we're looking at who have the, a list of... Well, we're not looking at it. That's the problem. I keep axing. There is a list of the top 50 people who got their ass kicked, basically, in Evergrande. There's going to be a list of the top 50 people who get their ass kicked in, in Chicago and other real estate or strip malls, or you name it. There's got to be some people around all these lists uh, that, that are not doing so hot. I mean, is, is it right? Uh, the same list, yeah, over and over again. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I guess my, I, I've never been in these businesses, Jen, and you, you know, you've done attorney work for them. I lived at uh, when I moved from the South Side. I got a place in uh, Seventy West Huron, uh, be closer to work and so forth. And it, I think it was a fairly new building. I think I moved in in, I'm going to say '86. I'll bet it probably opened you know, within a few years of that, and. Uh, some of our buddies were investors and I think from what I understand the place was very well run that sure seemed like it to people when I was there and I think they were they were like 95% occupied and they didn't have any section 8 they didn't have any of that stuff they didn't have any you know, they didn't borrow any money from the government or anything, so they didn't have to do section 8 or anything like that so I'm thinking they had a, a couple of capital calls along the way even though they were, like I said, 95%. And they eventually went condo, and I think the Gulitas brought the thing condo, and I think people got their money back and maybe even made a few bucks. But they they were on a razor's edge, and I think you had to have a capital call or two. 
and I don't think they were that much over budget on the building, and they were 95% accurate. So how, how, and how razor's edge do people build them? They just build them with a hope and a prayer, and, and they, like I said before, they, you know, they end up with the, the doorman contract, and they're fat and happy, or the phone contract, or the cable contract, or whatever it is, and, and people are making money out of the place, and yet the place never does. Is, 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 are they designed that way? or I mean, the people who invest must know that if they're designed that way. I mean, uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and the, you're right. They're not, not designed for, you know, sort of a, a cushy, you know, uh, you know, margin in there to keep the buildings going no matter what happens around them. And they're, they're very susceptible to, you know, trends that are working against the, the whole idea of those buildings in the first place. So when, when you know, the, the near north side was not that chic a place to live, but it wasn't really for most of the 20th century. Um, can you still hear me, Tom? Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, buildings like like 70 West Huron, 30 East Huron, all the buildings, you know, between there and downtown it sprang up. And, you know, it, it as Michigan Avenue became a, a you know, much nicer shopping district and, and continued to grow and um, office, you know, buildings had no trouble leasing, you know, for doctor's offices, whatever. Uh, things were, were growing and the, 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 the tilt was all in the right direction. But I think that's stopped pretty much. And I, I, it's maxed out in any event, whether it's declining yet. I think I think it's close to a, a reckoning here. But it isn't that chic to live. Uh, what you know, in those what, is, the, what is the difference in financing, now that we're down this, um, between... Now, I was at 70 Western, around the corner, there was a place on Dearborn, and they had a whole bunch of, uh, they got money from the government, so they had to have Section 8 in there, and I think... that Asbury Place? The, um, yeah, and then uh, there was a an absolutely gorgeous place, and uh, was, it, was it the Ohio or something? Um, it had to be the nice apartments that I ever saw in the city. The, the place with the big, you had to be a huge wrap-around wrap balcony, and every, it's on Ohio and, like, state. It's a big, huge building, and... Uh, I want to look at some two bedrooms there. They were, they were gorgeous, but they had, you know, the Section Eight issues where people might be playing soccer in the hallway, that kind of thing, uh, which wouldn't really w- what you want. But, um, but they would get financing from the government. How much? How much cheaper was that? And how? And how much cheaper of the rent then did you have to get from people? I mean, it, there's all these different nuances to this that I never fully understood. But uh, does that mean your your the building's always going to be, you know, okay money wise because you got the money so cheap and but I mean, the rent couldn't have been as good, and I, uh, does that mean the the government always pays those people's rent, or how does that work? Yeah, pretty much, you know, th- those buildings have, you know, a, you know, a, a, a sort of an added, you know, sweetener to the pot that, that the average, you know, building owner does not have. If you get, you know, federal money backing you up, you don't have to be as rigorous about the tenants you have, or, or worry about where the, the money's coming from because the government's just waiting to pay their rent. <laughs> Sounds insane, but. There's more of that than ever now. Well, and I mean, the, uh, if Chicago has its way, it's going to be all there is. Well, the I mean, uh, listeners are wondering why I'm I'm somewhat curious in this area. Say, we well, you know what's this got to do with stocks and jacks? Well, we talked last week about you know the government not having enough money, right, and, and people owing there. Okay, and city and state they're allegedly somewhat balanced, so the debt there you might have huge pension debt, okay, but you probably really don't have necessarily that much debt to the to the state of Illinois. I mean, it's not like the 260 grand a taxpayer to the, the federal government. But now you talk about, I mean, we 
you know, we, we, we blew through a conversation around baseball and football fields, and we're saying, okay, wait a minute, the city's on the hook for $50 million at, at Soldier Field and $50 million still at Sox Park, and somehow haven't been, haven't been uh, I'm sure those numbers are accurate. I mean, the $50 million is, is accurate for one of them. I think that's Soldier Field. But it's, they're on the hook. You know, the, the, the taxes haven't necessarily paid for them. Now we've got a mayor that seems to be, not, I mean, personally, you know, I'm probably an okay guy, but seems to be, shall we say, calculator challenged. That the money they've gotten from this casino that all we've heard about is this friggin' casino for the last 10 years. All of a sudden, they're on, they're on a pace to give the city $9 million this year in revenue, and the budget was 35. So it's a quarter. How do you fleep up by, by three quarters, John? I mean, but if there, if every subject we talk about, there's a common thread. There's p- money owed to somebody that knows somebody can't pay. I mean, am I wrong here? I mean, it's all over the place. And then we're talking about credit card debt. Last month or two, what one bank said that the credit card debt went up more than the than the balances on people's accounts. I mean, wh- what are we doing here? Is, is the whole is the whole place going to have to renege on everybody one of these days? Or I mean, how does how does this all get paid? I don't see it. Now the government well, they, can, the government can find a way. They, they can inflate their way out of it, at least to a certain extent. Yeah. But, but uh, you know everybody else. You know it won't ever be paid for, and and, and the ones that it takes down, as you know, the, the, the system kind of can't can't absorb all this. You'll you'll have, you know, pretty much a freeze on new construction. You're, you're going to have you know buildings that that can't be reconfigured for anything profitable. So they'll become you know decrepit hulks, or they'll be turned into you know, you know Robert Taylor home kind of places to house people. We know that doesn't work, so let's not do that again. Yeah, let's not do that again, but you know, this is kind of where, where we seem to be headed. I mean, when, when, when the city talks about building affordable housing, um, it, I, mean, I, I, I really w- would like somebody to explain you know, how anybody's housing today is. Okay, now what, what you just said, affordable housing, define that. Yeah. How, how, how can mean, you? It's, it's 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 what um, David Roeder, who no, unfortunately no longer writes about real estate for the Sun Times, you know, he used to be in there on Mondays, but he said, you know, Chicago does not have a shortage of affordable housing; it has a shortage of safe neighborhoods. And he took some heat for saying that, but he's absolutely right. Um, plus, if, if you're looking at a segment of the population that is more, you know, hurt by a lack of affordable housing than another, I think you're just playing a you know, a lose-lose game because everybody is in a crunch now to find affordable housing. If you're trying to buy a house, pretty much forget it. I think. If, uh, I'm going to say I, I, I've read some of his stuff. I like it, but when whenever a journalist walks over into a spot where they're supposed to know some numbers, Chicago, I don't think is. Put it this way, back in 2007, the average home. Price was two thirty-five. The mean, median. Sorry, median. Um, in order to afford that home, you needed to make eighty-five grand a year. This is this two thousand and seven. That's if mommy or daddy or you saved up the twenty percent for the down payment. So now you could have a two or three income household, blah blah blah, and you'd get there. But I'm talking about an individual person, you know, a, a, a traditional family one breadwinner, which is not traditional anymore, by the way. But the amount, 
eighty-five percent, eighty-five grand a year was what fifteen percent of the population made. This two thousand seven. That was seventeen years ago. All right. So the uh, um, people who worked in restaurants made about twenty. People who worked in a normal cubicle downtown doing something made like forty-five. And people at a hospital. Not doctors, but people who had like you know, I'm gonna say real jobs. They were testers. They were they were people who did blood tests. They might have been higher end nurses. They made about sixty. So virtually nobody made the eighty five grand that that house needed to be fed if you had the twenty percent down. Now fast forward seventeen years, the that house is now four oh six. Interest rates are right now are roughly the same, about six, right, six and a quarter. You tell me that the average person is up from one from uh, the eighty-five thousand now would have to be what, Jen? Well, Probably one twenty. The last figure I saw. Well, it's I'm thinking it's got to be higher than that because your insurance and your tax and stuff are up. So let's say one fifty. Tell me what percentage of the population makes one fifty or one forty. I'm going to say it's the same fifteen percent of that. Now, granted, if you have two people working, but that. That doubles your risk because if one person gets laid off, neither person can carry it, right? Right. It's one thing. But you can be sure that yeah. so you have to come up with that one fifty or whatever. You've got you know a you know the husband and wife or a couple who are if they're lucky, you know, earning each of them, you know, seventy, eighty, yeah. and somewhat stable to afford it. But you know, you take half of that away, there's you know a job disruption or a company closes or something, well, you sure. get laid off. Well, plus, uh, if, man, you, you, you can't you can't add, you can't say if the guy or the lady, the guy or the girl, makes 160 and the other one doesn't have to work, okay, or doesn't work or whatever it is, and you have a family and they take care of the kids and whatever it is, well, that's that's a job, right? I mean, it's, it's not like the other person isn't doing anything. I mean, it used to be... You know, ninety-five percent of the time it was it was the it was the female home, but she did all the stuff, took care of. It. Now, if if she or he goes to work, now you can't double the money that he or she used to make because now you have childcare expenses, you have people hauling kids back and forth to school, you have all this stuff that you didn't have before. You also have probably have a second car. You probably have car, right? now both people. Well, I was going to say both people have to be dressed to work, but nobody dressed for work anymore. But if they did. Actually, the women still do. The guys don't. Uh, I mean, if you you're, you're the, the the second salary is not home free. It comes with massive expenses that you're now paying a third person or, or third or right. fourth person. So it, it's not equivalent. But I'm saying for somebody to say Chicago does not have, does not, I'm saying an affordable house for somebody who is in the regular what's the median income? Say forty grand, forty five. I, I don't think there's anything affordable for that guy, do you? Well, if you wanted to, to live in a neighborhood where you, you know, your possessions weren't safe or you weren't safe, you could, you could find cheap living, certainly. Well, I mean, what, what, what is a... But nobody what, wants to live there. What's a one-bedroom in Rogers Park cost? It's got to be 1200 bucks. That, well, that's a decent neighborhood. Okay, but... A lot, I, of, lot of neighbors in Chicago full of apartment buildings where nobody really has any interest in living in because there's too much associated risk-wise... With you know car theft rates or crime rates or whatever else, nobody would, would really want to raise a family. A lot of but if you're ma- if you're making for, forty to forty five grand a year, fifteen thousand in rent plus utilities is a big nut after taxes. 
Is it? And it's out of sight, Tom. For it does it doesn't you have don't have to be a distressed person or an unemployed person or a homeless person to be behind the eight ball when it comes to getting into the housing market these days. Right. So we have so it's we have person. we have things priced over the average person. I mean, if you look around or, you know, listen to the show, because we, we try and look around a little bit, not that other people don't, they do. Uh, I was stunned when Audrey bought her car and the guy said, oh, we now have a finance person for, uh, for repairs. I'm like, you, you got what? I, I, you know, but the thing of it is, Kevin, John, if I thought about it for a second, it shouldn't surprise me. Yet I just, I just didn't think about it. I mean, why, why would I, I mean, our, in our day, why would you, why would you need you know, financing for repairs on a car. They weren't that expensive. And then people had a little extra cash. Not a lot, but enough to pay for a battery or something. And, uh, you know, I, I I guess I should have figured that out, but I but I didn't. Right? And then all of a sudden it hits you in the head. Or somebody would say, when Kenny Polcari last week said he was in the hospital for, what, an hour for COVID? It was 6200 bucks. I'm going, who, who exactly can pay that? I mean, what are we, what are we talking about here? Um and I well, it used to it used to be Tom. If you had a big car repair bill or an engine or a transmission or something, and you kind of looked looked at the you know finances of it, it made as much sense for you to to you know dump that car and get a, a beater to hold you over for a short term, and you could you could you could get a car for, for not a whole lot more than the biggest repair bill would you know cost you for an existing car. Dump your and beater, get another beater. Over. Dump a beater, gain yes. a beater. Trade a yeah, meter. I mean, but a lot of people played that game and they oh, were yeah. able to get by. You can't do that anymore. No, no, you, it's. But we're talking about everything is everything is is debt. Everything is. What's our community doing? And and, and I just I I gotta believe, John, that one of these days, that you can't just say, well, that building there's a hundred million. There's another building there's a hundred million downtown. It starts adding up. Somebody's behind this. And what if can it all be Calpers? I mean, I hear I, rumor has it that they're—I'm not going to say up to their eyeballs because I don't think they are. I hope they aren't. That they're a big investor in China and have been for a long time. That doesn't surprise me. You know, coming out of California, I don't know that if if I was a trustee at Calpers, I would have said, "Don't don't ever invest in China for the last 25 years," or if anybody would have listened to me. I don't know if I'd have said it or not. Now the question is. Is it two percent of their stuff? Is it three? Is it four? Is it one? Is it fifty? I don't think it's fifty, but it, these there's, it seems like there's an awful lot of information winding around out there that isn't information. That one yeah, of these Tom, I don't know if the, in the last you know forty eight seventy two hours what's what's happening in China and its stock markets. Um, yeah, it, it, it total turmoil in the session today, and you know. They were down eight percent at one point. Well, they were. I, I did not see that they were down that much. Yeah, and then they came back and they were down six percent. But um, you know, the, the, which the, ones? The, the Shanghai is only down. Chinese government. The Shanghai is only down one. Which one are you talking about? It says China stocks rebound the, off five the, years uh, low. Yeah, it's one of the. It's not one of the bigger. You know, it's, it's the CS. I forget the initials for it. Um, and it's pretty hard to get. You know. Good data on it, just because I was trying to figure it out this morning, reading you know, the, the latest news, uh, and it all looked like it was being sugar coated. But the, 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 the most you could get out of any of the news reports was that it was extremely volatile, which you know tells me that there were big swings, you know, up and down. But in any event, the Chinese government is is you know their way of allaying fears about this is to say, well, we've got to stop all this stock price manipulation and 
malicious insider trading. Now, those I was I was going to, wanted to ask your opinion on what does stock price manipulation mean for the average trader, and what is malicious? You know, malicious insider it, trading. Malicious if it's some, malicious if it's somebody else and not you. <laughs> yeah, right. Is, is there any any? Insider trading that isn't got some ballast behind it. I don't know. Well, insider trading, insider trading used to be defined uh, as you know knowing something about a company. You know what was the uh, right Wall Street? If you see a movie like that, and you know find out. But and then, and then there was always planting information or something but, but else. That, you know, just, you know. But then there was always the definition: what was insider and what wasn't. I mean, clearly, if you if you broke into a, and again, you know, this is the weird part. I have I have. Discussions that immediately turn into arguments when you talk to attorney guys. Not not that you're not that you're one of those kind of guys, John. Uh, but I don't I don't think now you legal beagles will tell me there's there's a law granting the SEC certain authority and, and all this kind of beep bleep. Uh, and they and it, that becomes I I don't believe and I would I'll you know I'll bet somebody a couple of bucks on this. I don't believe there's ever been a law that defined out of Congress, signed by the president, that defines insider trading as as being illegal. I mean, we 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 know it sort of is, but it's not. It's defined by by people in the bureaucracy. Now, if if the if the Treasury comes out and wants to borrow a certain amount of money, and they tell, or or the Fed wants to buy some bonds in the system, they go through a regular company and they and they pay commissions on it. Well, they obviously tell those people. And they they'll go out and buy the buy the stuff up and then turn around and trade it to the Fed, knowing that the Fed's there. They don't tell other people that. So insider trading is is decide is is determined by whether you're inside or not. <laughs> but right. but but the tr- traditional part was the definition that we always kind of knew on the floor was if you if you burglarized a uh, uh, law law firm and you went in there and you found out that X Y Z was going to buy you know. A, XZZ, and and you you traded on that. That this was non-public information, you know, blah blah blah. And, and by the way, you could go to jail not just for the burglary, but for the other. But you get you know, you get spanked for the other thing. I don't know if you actually went to. Well, you could go to jail for insider trading, I guess. Um, but the, uh, but if if you were like Bud in the movie, and you got on your little scooter and you saw the two chairman of those guys heading off for a private lunch at. Some swank restaurant and put two and two together. That's not insider. No. I mean, I, because you you had the you, you or, or something was in the Wall Street Journal where some supplier said, "Hey, our uh, you know our our, our sales this year kind of suck." And you look at this company and you go, "Let's see, it's it's Burn Inc." And hey, what, what, who does Burn Inc. sell to? They sell to Apple. And you sit there and go, "If they're the only supplier and they and their sales suck, maybe Apple's not buying enough. Maybe there's something wrong with Apple." And you short Apple there. I don't. That's not insider. It's public knowledge. You just happen to no, take it to the next to, step. To me, Tom, it just shows that the Chinese are grabbing at straws and they're looking for again an enemy of some kind to pin their ills on. Well, they ban. They ban short sales. They don't want you. To, they always ban short sales. Did they ban oh, short yeah, sales? Yeah. Well, they haven't. They haven't. They they did that, didn't they? I don't know. They always, they always you know will I mean? be in short sales, and they'll find somebody who who shorted some stock, and then they'll they'll throw him in jail and say he was the culprit. Simple fact is, if stuff's too high, it's going to go down. Right, and the thing is, I mean, you don't have to be you know somebody with insider information to know that the Chinese real estate market is in big trouble. 
and anybody who you know reads a newspaper or financial news has known for some time that people are looking for reasons to stay away from it and so it doesn't take an insider to have any kind of special information it's yeah, i think it's the chinese way of masking the general lack of confidence in what they've got to sell well, now you can and they, they're, they're desperate to make it look like it's somebody else's you know bad mouthing them well in this country this you you can you can go well i'm saying you go online and get it now but you all you always could get um, the report from the Federal Reserve or whoever used to come out with it, because I, I could get it over the break if I wanted to. You can find out the total margin debt out of securities and firms and stuff for on the market here. And when it gets real high, you, if you if you trace it, you can say, okay, when it gets really high, that's usually when markets crack. So not always, because usually sometimes it goes higher. Is any information there for the? Ch- I can't imagine the amount of margin debt on their market. Oh God, I know. Where where would you ever? Find trustworthy information. Oh God, no. yeah, I don't, I don't think you about could. Anything. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't, I don't, absolutely don't think you could. Anyway, John, we have, we have Dan Janitas calling in because the, the girls are all on vacation. Uh, some are in Galena and some are in Florida. Nancy and Audrey, uh, so they will be back next week. So Dan Janitas is going to cover for them. John, thank you very much. Talk to you on Thursday, if not sooner. Hopefully, I'll see you before then. That's and, and by the way, Kevin said about a piece about the Bears are now looking back to the lakefront. For a stadium rather than Arlington Park. So. What what part don't you get that they're gonna they're gonna attack every municipality and then we get the, they get somebody to build one for them they'll get it done if not they're not gonna do it. Right. Simple as that. <laughs> give me give me a stadium and I'll and I'll move there. I'll I'll do you a favor and move there. Gee, thanks. Uh, be you right back. Build it, I will come. Yeah, we, we, yeah. You build it, I will come. Be right back, Stacks and Jackson. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. 
Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR. Innovation and Human Resources. Licensed in Illinois and Hello, Arizona. this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right now, right now. Hello, Rope X, and Jacks. I'm Tom Alman, burning the board. SP Futures down 13, the SP Futures down 24. A couple earnings came out. Donald's is down just a little bit, um, down three bucks, only one percent. It's up to two ninety four though. If um, you had uh, Caterpillar came out as well, they're up. They're up fifteen bucks, up fourteen eighty one. That's up a whole five percent. So I can't say the earnings have hurt because Caterpillar has got the Dow up here, uh, even though the Dow is Dow is down one hundred two, even with Caterpillar up like this. But because uh, we got a bunch of stuff, we've got United Health is down two seventy four. We've got Goldman Sachs down two eighty six, but. Nothing, nothing major in there. Like I said, we had one to the upside. Over in Europe, we've got these guys were well, now they were mild to the upside. Not anymore. Dax is now down five. We we'll call that flat. Uh, FTSE up 29.4 percent. CAC around down 6.1 percent. They were all up earlier. Uh, the uh, which is kind of interesting. I don't see why they're dropping. No major piece of news, but they did. Nikkei up 196.5 percent. Hang Seng down 23.1%, Shanghai down 28.1%, but evidently they were down a lot more than that earlier and kind of made a comeback there. Uh, bonds, 10-year uh, up now 9 basis points, 4.12. This interest rate run up the last two days, well, this morning and Friday, and in the face of the market racing up is, we'll talk to Dan about that in a second, but it's a little strange. Went up 8 basis points, 2.31. Japan up 7 basis points, 0.73. So interest rates are rocketing higher here this morning. Uh, oil down 29 cents, 72 bucks. Brent down 14 cents, 77.19. Natural gas unchanged, 2.07. Arbob unchanged, 2.15. Gold uh, not doing so good with the uh, interest rates going up. Uh, 19 bucks, 2034. Silver down 44 cents, 22.35. Copper down 4 cents, 378. The only thing I'll say about that is when they had the big silver and gold 
panic in the early 80s, inflation rate was like, interest rates were like 12%. So this idea that when rates go up, gold goes down, that's been a recent phenomenon, but not a forever phenomenon. Crypto down up 746, 43,449. And the U.S. dollar is is uh, actually fairly strong with the euro down to 107, the British pound down to 125. So the dollar is up 0.6% against the British pound. What do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? And then Mr. Dan Janitas. Hello there. Good morning, everyone. Got to get a little louder there, Ryan, bud. Okay, how's that? Tom? Yeah, there you go. Ah, splendid. Good morning, everybody. Uh, a little bit of weather for excuse me, a little bit of weather for you today. Uh, down in Phoenix, Arizona, we have a stark 50 degrees this morning. You'll have a high of 74 and mostly clear skies today. Up in Chicago, we are currently at 33 degrees with cloudy skies. We'll have a high of 39, though, and partly sunny skies today, so that's something to look forward to. No major traffic updates, uh, nothing out of the ordinary, and no exceptional accidents at this moment. Back to you, Chief. Um, Dan, what do you think of Ryan's voice? Isn't it something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he's, he's throwing some music in. He doesn't want, to, doesn't want to hear about us talking to him. Not so sure why the music... So, uh, Dan, how are you, bud? Uh, the, uh, I'm going to throw a shameless plug in here before we get started. In all my years of being in the market and being in the brokerage business and the money management business, I can't think of a time and this is coming right from the heart, that an investor needs you and me more than they do now. I, I absolutely agree. And and I, I um, you know, took some notes and was going to say that, that my first comment was going to be, this is a really good time to be in a protected strategy or to be in, in bonds. It's We are anticipating a year of, of volatility. We've already seen it so far this year. Um, you know, there's there's a risk off trade, if you will, Although we're seeing some movement in the in the big seven or the magnificent magnificent seven as, as they're called, there there's still a lot of um, headwinds. One of them being um, the fact that we just topped 34 trillion in our national debt. Our yeah. national debt is still growing faster than our economy. So despite the fact that we've had in the short run we've had this 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 positive news in the economy with with the um, inflation rate coming down, with uh, the jobs market looking fairly favorable, with unemployment still being relatively low. Neither, neither one of those numbers you and I believe, though, correct? Right, but but I think there are still some signals that the bond market is sending us. We still have an inverted yield curve. And that, to me, still I still believe in the, in the structure of the yield curve. And that still says slower growth going forward. It doesn't say no growth. It just says slower growth. And it doesn't say recession. It just says slower growth. So absolutely, this is probably one of the most obvious times to be in um, a protected strategy and also in, in bonds. Now, the the we did see this run-up in rates, which you mentioned earlier, the two-year being now up to uh, almost 4.5%. Uh, Part of the reason we're seeing this run up in rates, especially on the short end, is just that the Fed didn't do anything last week. So we were anticipating, um, you know, they didn't do anything, but they also said that March is very unlikely. People are really getting ahead of themselves. Investors, strategists, um, the people who are, are reporting the news, are, are they've been talking about this March cut. Cut. I do think Powell is, is being smart here. I do think taking our time um, makes a lot more sense than trying to um, give into some kind of political 
um, you know, to have some political motivation for for changing rates. So I think he is stuck to his guns with keeping an um, inflation target at two percent, making this move downward a little bit slower and not starting it too soon. Because once it's started, you know that that's going to be the trend going forward. But the markets are being impatient. And that's why it's absolutely good to be in our, in our strategies right now, because this is the time to be on the sidelines a little bit. Once we start seeing rates come down, then you can maybe start putting a little more money into equities. Where I would go at that point would be in, in you know, most bang for the buck at that point will be in small caps. So at this point, just to talk about the risk off trade, year to date, small caps are down 3%. Over the last 12 months, small caps are down 1%. So think of small caps as being the riskier trade on the equity side. This has been a great time to be in our strategies. So we're, we're, we have positive returns with a lot less risk. And because rates have gone up over the last two years, you are getting some yield now. So this is, this is a good time to take advantage of that. The, the thing that I have to caution investors on and, and listeners, just don't be too anxious to find this is not the environment to try to find a much better return in some other category. Now, part and parcel with that, I was going to mention um, what's going on in, you know, with mortgage rates. And there is a misconception still from some people that the Fed controls interest rates. I mean, controls mortgage rates. They don't. The Federal Reserve, the Fed rate is the shortest term rate. The, the mortgages, mortgage rate is determined from the 10-year Treasury. 10-year Treasury is not what the, what the Fed is, you know, when Fed makes market moves, when they cut, when they raise, that has nothing to do with, with the 10-year. So the 10-year is going to generally be uh, moving based on what, what the expectations are for economic growth, for the inflation rate, and, and not, not at all on what the Federal Reserve is doing. So where there's a, um, you know, I think in terms of people looking at housing, um, inventory has picked up in general. It's certainly picked up quite a bit in Florida. I would say, again, be patient. If you're looking to get a better price, the longer you wait, the better chance that we're going to see more stabilization in the housing market, more inventory come on. We may see more buyers as rates come down, but that's not happening yet. By the way, so Dan, you didn't, you didn't get the memo. I, this market is moving too fast for you, obviously. You didn't get the memo? It is. There's no question. The Magnificent Seven is now four. We booted three. They're going down. They're not in there anymore. Right. We, yeah. we, we, kicked, out, it, we kicked out Apple. We kicked out Tesla. We kicked out uh, Google. They suck. They're just going down. And they're and they're you know the earnings weren't you know the the earning, let me talk about this before earnings expectations are quite different than actual earnings but those those are three three of those seven companies that would not be my top picks you know I think Amazon has probably a little more upside but but um but they're they're already inflated because that's where everyone has moved their money and I think the the thing you've got to consider is the risk from today going forward. And you're absolutely right with your first comment that our the strategies that we manage, this is the perfect time to be in these strategies. One other thing that I've mentioned before, and I'm going to mention again for listeners, is that if you think rates are coming down, which they will, you want to be invested in bonds. Well, the short terms will. The long terms may not. The short term, the short term have to, and, and they, will, they will come down. But even with short-term T-bills, you get more capital appreciation when rates come down. So you want to be holding rates. You want to be holding bonds, T-bills, when when their prices are at the at the lowest, if you will, and when rates are at the highest. 
So, so it doesn't mean you're getting less yield. In fact, it means you're getting a better total return because you're picking up both some capital appreciation and you're also picking up, you're still getting that higher interest rate. At some point, but not just yet, it might make sense to start shifting towards equities. But I think we need to have a little bit more, um, a clearer picture of what's, what's going on with, with inflation, a clearer picture of what's going on with the economy. And I absolutely agree with Powell that it's it's too soon to be to be cutting rates at this point. So I, I think Powell actually. I mean, I I, I don't I never I, I think he's been controlled and, and been pushed around, yes. but I I don't think he's a dummy, and I don't think he's no, a bad not, guy. And I not at he, all. he, he knows that, also, he, that he. I was just going to say I think he's also been smart about keeping out of the political. Well, um, you he, know, making, he can't. making statements. He yeah, he can't, can't exactly. I I, I just. Uh, he knows that he put. I, I just got a thing from uh, I don't know. Mot, was it the Motley Fool or somebody last week? And it was talking about how you have to be so aware that the money supply. It's only whenever the money supply goes down, the uh, uh, you know the market usually has a hissy fit at some point. I mean, ever fifteen times in the last hundred years or whatever, whatever the crap was. And and you know what, Dan. None of that analysis now, in my opinion, because you and I, God, we've been doing this forever. And I was used to be a slave to this stuff. None of that analysis now works because everything is slightly different. When you talk about that, if you were to just put your eyes focused, not look around, you look straight ahead. Yes, if you were going to say, God, the Fed is going to drop the money supply by 4%, the market should go down, like dramatically, uh, I would say. Wow, yeah, you're right. But, wait, but then if you say to me, well, wait, wait, wait a minute, Chief, in 18 months, we pumped the money supply up 40%. What, what do you mean 40% in 18 months? Right. That, yeah. I mean, that never even happened during a war, for God's sake. You know who right. did it? Actually, the Confederacy did it. Look, what, look how, they, how they made out. Uh, nobody's, nobody's ever done that. So you couldn't even really get that in the system. It, it couldn't even be absorbed that fast. So, okay, we pull... Four percent out, and now we're still up thirty-six. And oh, by the way, we have the Silicon Bank, which you know should have been a fart in a hurricane in terms of uh, you know how, how many people it was going to hurt. And they couldn't wait to pour so much money back in to save even this little problem. So it, it left every investor with the idea that the minute there's a there's a blip here, these guys are going to change policy and go the other way. And sure enough, the last two months. We see money supply scooting back up again pretty dramatically the last month. So the message is, whatever Paul says, the message is that the, the Fed will act to save the stock market. If, if it yeah. becomes between inflation and the stock market, the stock market's going to win in their policy, especially in election year. That's all people are hearing. And, 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 and you and I say, well, that's not... But I, towards you and I being valuable for people there has been a change in the world dan in terms of getting to guys like us when pti opened opened up you know i'm going to say in 1995 if somebody called that morning and wanted to open up an account my guy would have it open by noon and if you gave us a check or an acats transfer uh you either your accounts open and funded that afternoon the acats would be here in two three days well now people reject acats it's harder to get it's harder to open up an account. We got to do a, a survey of you and Interpol and every other damn place, and make sure that it's harder and harder to do that. So, even if you have a portfolio that you don't want anybody to ever touch, but someday might want to do something with it, 
it would behoove you to move that if you wanted ever wanted to get to guys like Dan or me if if you if you brought that account to say IB and our and our, and our pro direct platform or even RBC but IB generally if you're going to trade it yourself is probably better if you went there you're 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 a, a second away from having Dan or my help otherwise if the market starts flying down we can't help you right Dan what what are we going to do if it, we, right, I, and I agree, and, and and that movement could happen really quickly, yeah. and and yeah, there's there's no question about it. But yeah, this is this is the the time. And the other thing too about the strategies that we that we manage that for the demographic of people are who are getting close to retirement, you know, this is not the time to go, you know, to go to the casino, as one of my clients says. This is the time to be protecting that hard-earned money that you've that you've made over the years. So as you're approaching retirement age and into retirement age, it gives you a much clearer picture of how to budget your money going forward and knowing what to expect. If you want to continue to, if you have a you know just an interest in the market and, and you're fascinated by it, take a small small percentage of your money and manage it on your own and see you know see see what it's like and see how volatile the market can be i wouldn't recommend doing that with a fair amount of your money especially if you're at retirement age because that's not how you want to spend it you want to be able to enjoy the money and live off the money that that you've made throughout your career i would say the same thing you know not just in your retirement account but also say in the in the housing if people are in a, in the process now of downsizing you know in that demographic which many are then this is a time to you know take advantage of the higher prices and with that extra money put it into something that's stable so that you again that you can um, uh, you can you can preserve what you've earned and and not you know it's not the time to be taking that extra risk now if you're younger you have the time frame your time horizon is longer and you can certainly do that but not not if you're at at or approaching retirement age well I had a conversation with uh one of my clients and you know actually a fairly famous person Dan if I said the name everybody know who it was and he says to me I, I think that my wife and I are gonna we're nervous about where we are and all this stuff and I go he's, he's got some stuff that's illiquid so nothing you and I can help with on that but uh, uh, I said do me a favor just sit down imagine you have nothing nothing in there you're not a slave to NVIDIA you're not a slave to GM you're you don't, you don't have any opinion about anything. Just put down a sheet of paper. What in the market going the way it is now, and all the you know the headwinds and whatever. Plus now there's some interest. So you know you, if you if you're not in the market, it's not like you're getting nothing. Um, I said uh, you know because we were in that phase a few years ago. We're not anymore. I said just make believe you have nothing and just put down there what you think you'd like to have going forward. And he said, well you know I I, I could do that. I said, but what if I was just playing nervous about all this stuff? I said, you know what? If that's the way you feel, let's go fifty percent in you know in, in just in T bills. Get you get you half over to Dan with some stuff that's real real short term, and I'll and I'll do some rest in the protected stuff, and I'll button up so tight we can't lose more than five or ten percent. I mean, if we don't we don't have much upside there as we normally would like. And I said, just just do it. Start out start out today, right. and, and let's just start from scratch. Let's not worry about the taxes. Let's not worry about all the other crap. Um, because you know, and he, I said, if you want me to fly out there and sit down with you guys, I will. You know, but it, it I mean, it, it's it's like how many conversations have you had with people where I had some guy came in years ago at the end. And he goes, "Well, I got like ten thousand shares of Exxon." Uh, okay, 
And I said, well, what do you want to do with the Exxon? Well, I can't, I can't sell it. Well, why not? Well, my dad, I got it from my dad. Now, he's already had to step up basis, so he probably could sell without much of a tax problem, right? Uh, I, you know, I'm not giving tax advice on the air, but if, if, you're, if, you, if your dad bought it at 2 and it came to you at 60, by the way, your basis is 60, so maybe you could sell it, right? And uh, so I said, you know, by the way, is, is your dad still alive? <laughs> the, guy goes, the guy goes, well, no. And I said, if your dad was sitting right here, if I cloned him and he's sitting right here, and I were to say, son, I'm going to give you two million bucks. Would he be happy if you invested it all in Exxon? The guy goes, no. He'd tell me I'm an idiot. Well, <laughs> it's not me or you telling somebody what they should have. It's it's you asking them, are you comfortable with what you have? Right. And if the answer is no, then, then every customer is different. And it, Absolutely. And I think also letting people know, like I said, my advice is always to take a small piece on your own if you really like to, if you want to trade the market and you really want to see how it works. But I will tell you, in every case throughout my career where I've done that and throughout the 17 years we've been in business where I've done that, that generally that money comes back to me. <laughs> it starts out and they're like, oh, yeah, this really involves a lot more work than we expected. Oh, God, it's fine yeah. when the market's going in one direction, as it has for a fair, fair period of time. But now in this period of volatility, even more reason to have a professional money manager that, that has preservation of capital as one of their top um, objectives. And you're right, as long as that's consistent with their their um, uh, investment goals, then, then it works. But I think in most cases, people need to be aware of that. And going back to this sort of theme that's been in my head of impatience, and I, I will honestly admit I was not always the most patient person. Things came easy to me. Um, but I think when it comes to investing, patience is so important. And it's a lesson that I've learned over the last 40 years. And as what I've noticed, Chief, is with the clients that have gone into the T-bill, actively managed T-bill strategy, they might at first say, hey, you know, I was going to put it in real estate or, hey, I was going to put it into some other you know, investment that some, you know, that some tax guy told me about. Now they're sticking with it because now they're seeing, okay, each day, each, you know, each month, each quarter, that, that amount is going up like it did years ago. Remember in those, in our savings account when yep. we were, when we were much younger. And I think that is very wise for people to, to like take a look at. And what I do with some of the clients, and I actually did it with a client yesterday is I says, you know, have you checked your account lately? You know, it's up, you know, you've broken through this next level. And these will be, you know, predominantly all fixed income accounts, but there but there's a, a level of patience that's necessary and also just sort of backing up a little bit from from that, you know, hey, my buddy Joe ended up investing in XYZ and he's made money. Well, be really careful of that. You know, that you know, you wanna know that Joe's been a, a money manager for four decades like we have, you know. It's, yeah. Something that's important because we have weathered many of the downturns in the market and we have protected our clients during those periods of time. And when you take a loss, it's much harder to earn it back. It is not a reciprocal relationship. No, it's not no, a no. symmetric relationship. So if you lose 10%, you got to make 11% to get it back. So again, that, that you know, the importance of capital preservation, the importance of, of being able to be patient and and watch your returns gradually go up over time. Um, I think it's I think that's great. And and um, yeah, there will be some opportunity. You know, we have been in small caps. I think we're going to get to that point once rates start coming down. And when there is a shift towards riskier investments, it's much too soon right now. Dan, I have a 
uh, question we I was I was mentioning it on Friday and I was saying gee I should I, I screwed up I should have mentioned this to Dan on Thursday but thank God I have I have a, a chance this morning um, you know as you know we do the protected index program and you know of course we're we're, we're chasing the cues every day I mean you know that's good lord if he's if he slowly calls in there you're you can't keep pace with it yet on the on the Russell we you know we're we're long in there I mean I mean everything every time we sell a call. Two percent of the money we should have sold one at the money. I mean, it, it's uh, I mean these things are not behaving. In my my question is, you you and I are trained to say, well, at some point, the Russell's the buy here. Same way with the you know with the GDX, the gold miners versus the gold. I mean, you and I look in, on charts and we say last time the gold was here, the GDX was much higher. So if gold were to rally a hundred hours from here, you would think you'd get a a much bigger percentage increase in the GDX. I mean it. That only makes logical sense. Yet, yet neither one of them has happened in a while. Now, my question to you is, you know, as traders, whenever I make a trade and it doesn't work for a while, I mean, you, you think you know more than the guy on the other side, but you might not. Right. And the question is, has there been something so heinous, I'll say, in our society that the Costco's of the world, which is now you know pushing six or seven, five or six revenue, don't take that. Cause I, some, it's high for a retailer. Are they are they in such control now that the, that the, that the Russell is just the part that goes over the fence lasts forever? Is there something changed in the gold production process where if gold goes to twenty four hundred, you're lucky to get the GDX back to thirty five, or last time it would have been fifty five? I mean, is something changing here where this IWM is just a crap buy compared to this other side? I think the answer is no, but. I want your opinion. I, I, it's the only, and I, I, I would totally agree that I think the answer is no as well. However, I think investor sentiment has has possibly changed, and that is what really also drives the the markets in each of those areas. And it's the same when you're talking about gold versus gold miners or silver, which we're still invested in, and we do that for for diversification purposes. But I do think investor sentiment shifts, and it shifts towards where. Um, you know, that's how we start. That's how we got the Mac 7, right? The Magnificent 7 came because that's where investor sentiment went. Um, but I do think the fundamentals are still the same and the relationships are still the same. And that is unlikely to change. Just as I believe that the, you know, the inversion and the yield curve still signals slower growth. So so th- those relationships, I think, change what, what I mean don't change but what I think does change is the way investors view them and some of that has to do with the information world we're in today where where investors are you know individuals and and investors and and professional investors um, institutional investors are all being bombarded by this information so quickly and wanting to respond so quickly but again you got to look at the long term these relationships will work out will stay you know will will follow the course that they have over time as long as you're willing to to hold on. Well, yeah, I just, I mean, sometimes stuff does change. And, you know, I mean, when we're not always yes. going to get the memo, I mean, I mean clearly somebody's real comfortable buying the cues here and selling the Russell. I mean, I mean, big, big dough is, is real. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, you know, I think they're wrong, but. Mm-hmm. They might. They, I, they, they, I think, in t- I, I, and I agree with you. I think, in over time, they're going to be wrong, and I and I would absolutely agree with that because I think over time the the Russell is going to be a buy. I mean, I think that's going to it's going to continue. You know, I think that's going to increase as as we get closer to this lower. You know, the the rate, the first rate cut, I think, is going to signal some 
uh, a little bit of push, uh, a little bit of uh, momentum in, in the, the risk-on trade, if you will. And I think that's coming um, probably probably in May. So you don't but think do the uh, – we got a dash. Keep, so you don't uh, think – I mean, you've been the guy, uh, you know, even though you haven't said this specifically, because you educate us on all different different people paying different interest rates, you don't think that the, the difference in, in rates that the smaller companies pay versus the big company – essentially is terminal for them or, or, or just just so overwhelming that it's a problem I, I you know I, I think it's it's they do have a harder um, time you know uh, you know raising capital if you will and any and they are going to pay higher interest rates um, there's no question about it the terminal rate is going to be higher um, but obviously any type of decline in rates is going to be positive uh, more positive for them more positive for tech there are certain sectors of the of the market that do better. Uh, when rates are lower, um, you know the market as a whole is going to do better, both the equity market and the bond market. So, so it is a positive thing. It's gen again. It's just a time, you know, looking at the time frame and just trying to be patient with the time frame and not not trying to get in too early. Um, you know, the fear of missing out is is sort of the opposite of what I think some people are doing, and especially in the trade you mentioned, where they're, you know, they're they're looking at um, selling the Russell. I I think that that may be going against the grain here. And I don't think longer term that's going to be the best um, investment. Last question. I absolutely promise this time. What? Running a minute over, but that's okay. I, I love having you on. Nothing, in my opinion, that Powell has said in the last week or so would. I mean, in term, and you just mentioned that he doesn't really control the long term rates. What in God's name has goosed these ten year rates almost two points or four? Well, two base two. Full two hundred basis points in the last two days, and we were we're at three point nine. Now we're four point one. It that's an amazing two days. It it is, and it and it's, you're right. It is, and that's I think some of that is misconception on investors' parts. Um, it's it's, uh, it, but but also some of it is has to do with inflation expectations, and in the again that you're exactly right. I know where you're going with this, and and where you're going is that this seems to be going against what people should be doing right because we do know that we're you know even though they're not going to rate they're not going to cut rates in march um most likely they are we're going to see a cut in may so if the 10-year you know the, the yield on the 10-year shouldn't necessarily be going up maybe it maybe it should remain flat but the and the investors um why you would pull money out of the out of the bond market at this point doesn't make sense this would not be the time to be selling bonds it would be time to be holding on, or maybe even adding as rates go higher. So, from an investor's point of view, I would look at look at this as a buying opportunity with rates higher across the. Uh, I you know the curve. unless these guys are, you and I think they've been. I won't say lying. Oh, I just did less than truthful about these inflation rates. Do they know that the number next month is going to be like 0.5 for the month or something? I don't think so. I mean, I think we can we can we know that's not true just from our. You know, looking around at where prices are in the world, I do think prices remain high. Um, but remember, inflation is is the increase in price over I, time. I, so the increase. I think it, I think what's happening in some of these hospitals and places, and in auto repair and places like that, I I think it's it's triple what they've told us it has been. I, I agree. All right, Dan. We'll see you Thursday in your normal slot again. If anybody, um, the easiest way to be able to get to Dan and me. At a moment's notice, is they have an account open at, at uh, Interactive Brokers in advance, correct, Dan? 
Yeah, or we can help them open it. Yeah, that's a thing. We, we, either one of us can help them open it. But yeah, it's... Uh, anyway, but anybody wants to do that, let us know. SB Futures not on 14, SB Futures on 28. NVIDIA's still up 21. Did you buy your NVIDIA today? No, not, not yet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's the dip. It was up 22. Buy the dip. We'll be back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. relaxants and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. I'm going to eat 50 eggs. Nobody can eat 50 eggs. You just said he could eat anything. You ever eat 50 eggs? Nobody ever eat 50 eggs. Hey, Babalugas, we got a bet here. My boss says he can eat 50 eggs, he can eat 50 eggs. Yeah, but in how long? The hour. Well, I believe I'll take part of that wager. No. Two dollars, right here, I'd wait to go. Oh, come on now, let's talk some money. Oh, I twenty dollars. Anything. Syndicate will cover any kind of bet you want to make. Go, go get some paper. It's a drag. Fifty eggs got away a good six pounds. Man's gut can't hold that. They'll swell up and bust them open. They're gonna kill him. All right, get your money up. Now, gamble a dynamite. Come on, get it up. Coconut heads gonna take all the money. Come on, loudmouth, get it up. Well, wait just a minute. How's he gonna eat? Boy, for 15 minutes, eat the whole thing in an hour. One rule. No throwing up. He throws up. You forfeit everything. Now, when was the last time you ever saw my boy throw up? Now, shut your mouth and give your money to Coco. Come on, now, right over here. <laughs> Look what you have to say, 51. Why couldn't you say 35 or 39? That seemed a nice round number. Look, that's money you're talking about. What's the matter with you? Yeah, well, it'd be something to do.